You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm Justin Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Tyler Brooks. Hey, what's up, the people, Tyler? What's up? It feels like I haven't talked to the people or you in weeks. This this Rogers watch has felt like uh, like three years of work. Life has been chaos over the past yes. week with the Aaron Rodgers stuff, which feels like a lifetime ago already. My microphone just busted. So if, you, if you're hearing a different level of audio quality from me this time around, that's the reason why. Um, but we're here to talk about defensive linemen. Any hot Aaron Rodgers take? I, I, I've been asked, like, what do you think about the Aaron Rodgers stuff? And I'm like, what could I possibly think at this point? It, it just feels like, we're at a point of oversaturation that like, I don't even know if my thoughts are even takes like, it's just like these things are happening. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is that Darren Ravel tweet, except it's like, I feel bad for our franchise, but this is tremendous content just every day. There's something, something, I think of something stupid, but every day there's something. Uh, What are, so I I saw, dang, who was it? Uh, Rappaport was on the McAfee show actually, and was talking about um, like the trade might have to wait until the draft. I I feel like we're at a crash course for that at that point, right? Like it's already been, I mean, Aaron Rodgers said what last week that he decided the previous Friday. So we're on going now on week three of Aaron Rodgers deciding to be a New York jet. And he is yet to be traded to the New York jets. So like what's going to change between, now in the draft, someone's going to have to blink. Yeah, so it, it might be a draft day thing. I was talking about this on a turn on the Jets with Will Parkinson, but like, th- what is it? It would be three. If if they had a trade on draft day, it would be the third out of four years that some Packers crazy shit happened on draft day. Jordan Love, yeah, Rodgers announcing he wants to be traded. So might as well actually get traded on draft day. would be fitting. I, I looked at like key dates to keep a track of because these are like the deadlines that could spur action, right? April 18th. It's the first day of the Jets offseason program. Does that matter? No, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Aaron is going to talk at like a psychedelics conference in June. Right. So like how I think he's still full offseason mode up until basically OTAs. I, I, I think that's going to be kind of his plan. Or, or maybe even beyond OTAs, because OTAs are in May. Um, first round of the draft, right? That's April 27th. OTA, first day of OTAs, that's May 5th. Um, June 1st is obviously the day that, like, if he was traded, right, his dead cap would split between the 2023 and 2024 seasons. June 16th is the first day of the Jets' mandatory minicamp. Late July is the first day of uh, mandatory training camp for the Jets. And then early September, obviously week one, which is when Rogers' option must be exercised. So those are the seven dates to kind of keep track of. 
The earliest is April 18th, first day of Jets offseason program. But the real big one, I think, is the draft. Um, And, hey, buddy, buckle up. We might have a whole another month of this. So get excited, guys. I ran out of sad Affleck memes on my daily Rogers watch update. So now I'm on always sunny in Philadelphia clips and I'm running out of those pretty quickly too. So well, I don't the, know what I'm going to switch to. The new thing is like maybe holding uh Randall Cobb hostage. What if they wait so long? Randall Cobb doesn't have a spot on the team. I mean, they just signed Nicole Hardman. Yeah. Right? So at this point, if you're the jets, right. So you sign Alan Lazard, he's making the team. You sign Miko Hardman. He apparently is getting, a $6 million contract. So he's going to end up making Ooh, the team. Okay. That's um, funny. Garrett Wilson, he's going to be on the team. Elijah Moore, I think they prefer if he was on the team. I don't even know if they need to trade him to get Aaron Rodgers. And then Denzel Mims, who they've been holding hostage. That's already five guys, not including Cord Davis, who they haven't released yet. And then you want to add Randall Cobb on top of that. Like, I don't know. Does Randall Cobb even have a spot? Aaron, if you, if you want Randall to to be on your team if you want your little friend to catch third down passes for you you have to convince the Jets to give up the pick 13 how's that movement going you're really you're marking down a list of uh suppressive individuals I was asked about compensation on this Jets pod and I had to be really careful what I said I'm not ending up on the suppressive individuals list I okay so here's where I'm at they should <laughs> ask for 13 Nothing from now until the draft. Like, the Packers can make the decision on draft day and be like, okay, yeah, we'll take the second in the conditional 2024 pick. And I think that's still a win for the Packers. I agree. They should should continue to ask for 13, (laughs) right? Like, there's no damage done. Does Gutekunst immediately get his uh, name in the ring of honor if he gets 13? Dude, if you get a first-round pick, a, a, a pick in the top half of the first round, for a 39-year-old player, yes. Packers Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor. Name the Lombardi after him. Rename it. I don't care at that <laughs> point. Get 13. If you get 13, my offseason is made. The Packers aren't you- doing anything else. What else am I supposed to do? I'm on Twitter just saying hashtag uh, 13 for 12. What else, like We're signing special teams players. What else am I going to do in the offseason? We're not doing anything. Have I told you my psychotic? take if they got 13 two tight ends no oh i've t- seen the t- two tight ends <laughs> tweets they're like just take washington and mayor screw it package 13 and 15 move up to three and get will anderson i could i could live with that <laughs> i could i could live with that um let's talk about these defensive linemen that's what we're yes for. so is it, pod- or do you want to talk oh, about Rogers watch is Rogers watch I, no, I'm, I'm done with Rogers watch at this point we already had to delay this a whole week man I meant, yeah. I wanted to talk draft prospects and everyone's like where's Aaron Rodgers when's he gonna yeah. go it was not gonna work um so previous podcast we had already talked about the safety position and the tight end position the safety position is kind of interesting I guess they've added bodies to both I mean Tyler Davis got added to the tight end room um he's mostly a special teams player he does do a little hand of the dirt stuff i don't think that that changes what they do at tight end at all because i don't think tyler davis is a starter even though right now he might be week one starter as it stands today on the depth chart safety is interesting though because they've added multiple bodies at the safety position and i do wonder if 
because it all depends, right? So Darnell Savage is still on the team. They just added, uh, re-signed Rudy Ford, and then they signed to various more from the 49ers who had previously played defense for the Niners. He had an Achilles tear in 2021. And then 2022, he fell out of the starting lineup or like out of the rotation completely on the defensive side of the ball because they had like Hufunga, you know, breakout and stuff like that. Um, So I do wonder if like they feel okay with Savage and Ford, maybe their safety position isn't as pressing of a need as we thought coming into the offseason. The the problem is I kind of think Ford is a better safety than Savage at this point. Yeah. So like the, the Savage part is the bigger question for me. I think I feel more comfortable instead of trying to force a safety in round two because the need's so great, waiting until three, four, five. Yeah. Um, thank God Ford's back though. I really liked him. He had some flashes. That Cowboys game, he was awesome. He's he's really solid, and he was a better. Run, I think he was as far as like a run and chase run defender. I thought I thought he was the best guy. On His the pursuit team last angles year. are phenomenal in the alley. It's great. Yeah, just because Amos his legs were gone and then savage can't tackle. Um, Amos is still out there, by the way, Bill Huber reported at the beginning of free agency that the Packers want Adrian Amos to come back. And I think we're at the point now where they don't really have any money. Like they would have to do, they'd either have to get like a Rashawn Gary extension done relatively soon, which is tough because he's self-represented. I mean, you could look at the Lamar Jackson stuff and see how tough those conversations can be. And then, or, um, you know, a potential Darnell Savage trade where you get out of his fifth-year option. I think it's like $9 million. If you could package a pick with him and trade him to someone, you know, kind of like the Brock Osweiler deal or I guess some did people the Colts, think of the golf. Did the guy. Colts trade Malik Hooker with a pick to get his salary off? I'm trying to remember. I, be- I believe so. Yeah. I think that's how I remember it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a couple options, but – the defensive line is still a position that the Packers need help at. You know, Jaron Reed and uh, Dean Lowry weren't very good football players last year, but they have both signed elsewhere now. Lowry is a Minnesota Viking. Reed uh, signed back with the Seattle Seahawks. So the Packers, depth, the entire depth chart right now, this is all of their interior defensive linemen. Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Chris Slayton, Jonathan Ford. So they have three NFL players there in Clark Slayton and Wyatt. Wyatt or uh Wyatt is the only like true three four defensive end and Clark and Slayton they seem to want to play in the no stackle position more than anything else. So they could be two, three bodies away at this position as it stands right now. And Jonathan Ford too, draft pick last year, didn't get on the field at all in his rookie season, was not activated for a single game. He's also a nose tackle. So he's yeah. not like a backup <laughs> nose tackle. He's just like the reserve nose tackle. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not totally certain he even makes the team this year. Yeah. So, well, on the bright side, I, I mean, of all the guys I watched, there's, there's a handful where I'm like, I would really like this guy on the team, and that's, that's looking like a reality. We might get one or two of these guys. Let's talk about these guys. Okay, so yeah. I'm gonna go down. Uh, the, the way we're gonna talk about these guys is we're gonna go down the consensus draft board, which again. We'll post uh, a, a link to it on, at APC on the, the uh, podcast post when this comes out. So if you guys want to follow along that way, that that's one way to do it. Top guy in this draft easily, 
Jalen Carter out of Georgia, um, big defensive tackle. I mean, he's been that guy for what two, three years now. I know, I know. Last year, people were talking about him. You know, could have been the top defender off of the board if, if you were even eligible. But he was a true sophomore at the time. He's been having a not great off season. Yeah. Um, so he ended up. Uh, getting 12 months of probation, 80 hours of community service for reckless driving and racing charges. Basically, it was like right after Georgia's uh, title parade. Um, him and well, did she work for the team? Is, is team staff member, yeah. Yeah, she was a team staff member and she had a teammate in the car. They were racing down a street. They ended up hitting something and, you know, passed away. Um, Carter drove away and then came back to the scene like an hour later. Uh, they, I believe they didn't have any toxicology stuff, uh, or they, they didn't, uh, charge him for like drunk driving or anything like that. It just seemed like he was being a dumb kid and racing. Um, obviously he got ushered away very quickly in Indianapolis. We were there for that. That was kind of a, a scene from what I had. Yeah. Heard. I didn't get out of bed. Uh, early enough, but <laughs> I remember I Tyler remember. was saying everyone's standing outside the podium waiting for Jalen Carter, and it's like that he, he's not coming. He's not coming, guys. Yeah. Um, he also dealt with some knee and ankle injuries this past year. He didn't run at the combine, uh, you know, because what a scene that would have been. Um, at the pro day at Georgia, which just happened, he also didn't run, but he did do on field drills. It didn't look good, and he reportedly, you know, based off of the weigh-ins, right, because he did do the weigh-in in Indy, um, he added nine pounds since the combine, and it doesn't look like good weight. So from what I have heard, and this is from, you know, scout stuff, it's like his mental is not in a good place right now. And even yeah. on the consensus draft board, he's considered the fifth pick now. Who knows what the off-field stuff, right, um, is going to end up painting out to be, but as far as like pure talent, he's probably the best player in this draft, but a lot of stuff has happened since the end of, you know, since a win final against TCU. Yeah. I, I think it's always important to remember with a situation like this, like, yeah, what he did was very stupid and irresponsible and dangerous and it was not good, but like, he's still a kid. I imagine if I was in that situation, I would be pretty messed up too. Um yeah. So it it really is just going to matter on fit of where he lands, right? Like, is the team that takes him going to be willing to try and help him? Um, which I think is going to be huge as far as his, no, not even just on the field development, but like helping him get his head right. The team that makes the most sense to me for Carter, you know, with all these things, you know, included, right, is Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's the guy who would probably embrace this type of thing and, you know, do the whole like fatherly figure stuff. Let's make sure his head is right and things like that. That That's my biggest thing with Carter. Cause it's like, it's not like when he did these things, it's not like he had the intent. Obviously it's a terrible situation, right? Deeply yeah. saddening. Like, it, 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 like if it's not tragic, it's bordering on tragic. Right. Yeah. And he's so young. He's so talented. Like it would suck for this to be how that story is written. But at the moment, it seemed like that's where we're at. Like he's going to have to work through some stuff to get back to where he was. You know what I mean? So big old question mark 
at the top of the draft, especially, you know, clear cut number one at this position, I think. I mean, on the field, <laughs> incredible player. I mean, you won't find another D lineman in this class that just destroys blocks with regularity, takes them on, you know, he's a gap holder, right? In that two gap uh, Georgia system. And he just annihilates anyone he goes up against does not matter. Gets in the backfield. Um, still my favorite play of him last year against LSU in the SEC championship, getting in the backfield, wrapping up the LSU quarterback and then lifting him in the air while celebrating, like just yeah, Herculean stuff there. Have you seen the video of the Georgia Tech quarterback talking about going against Georgia? Yes, a, a, a while ago, yes. It's it's so good. The quarterback basically says, like, playing against that Georgia defense makes, like, laterally the field is, like, 20 yards long instead of 53 and a third, right? And he was going off and was saying, like, Jalen Carter would, like, sack him and just say, like, you guys are so unprepared. he's like what am i supposed to do with that like we're getting our heads stomped in by our in-state rival like you guys are superhumans so yeah uh, that's kind of what georgia's operating with um second guy on the consensus draft board number 23 brian bercy out of clemson oh okay you you talk about him i want to hear what you have to say about him we i i hate this is the second straight guy we have to talk about off-field stuff first right kidney infection impacted his like most of last year his younger sister died last year so that was messing of, up of with brain him. cancer and it was like yeah. if if you're not a college football fan like it was a thing like yeah. they would like pre-game shows and stuff like that college game day would do like features about like him and his sister right yeah. so it's like a very well-known thing it, it wasn't just like you know, hey, this was a tragedy. She died out of no. It was like yeah. a, a fight that had been yeah. highly publicized for a long time. So dealing with all of that, losing Brent Venables, who is a phenomenal defensive coordinator, um, I think we've talked about it with other prospects. And no one on that Clemson defense took a step forward last year, in my opinion, for, yeah. as prospects. Um, so he did not have a good year. He's had injury history in the past. When you see him on a Venables defense – I love the way that guy shoots his hands for a guy as big as he is. I love the way he's able to fly into gaps. His lateral movement's excellent. He's just a crazy, hyper-athletic, big defensive lineman that can do a whole lot of stuff for you. Um, so when you think about potential and everything like that, I mean, he was the number one high school recruit coming out. Um, just outrageous athlete, and I think he can you know, have a real impact. There's just a lot of questions about is, is he mentally in a better place? We saw him at the combine. He seemed like he was doing well. Uh, and when we were there for the on-field drills, it looks like he was moving excellent. Yeah, I thought he did a lot better than expected at the combine. Yeah. And that's why I had to go back and watch some of his 2021 stuff. His, by the way, you didn't even mention it. The 2021 year. So this past year, right? He had the kidney infection. Mm. He lost his sister. Um, the year before he had an ACL tear. And then in like January, they figured out he he had a shoulder issue. So he ended up having to have shoulder surgery. I mean, again, yeah, like a a ton of stuff for a guy who's technically a redshirt sophomore because he redshirted after the injury in 2021. Um, Former high school All-American was like top recruit. The other thing people don't understand, I think, about Clemson's program, because everyone thinks of like, okay, the, the top teams in college football, right? It's like, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. Clemson isn't getting those five-star guys. Like, they're 
home brewing a, lo- a lot of that stuff, right? Like, I don't know if I think they've had like one offensive lineman drafted into the NFL, like the that entire, you know, Dabo Sweeney era. So like they're pretty picky about who they bring in because for whatever you want to say about Dabo, right? Because he is a blowhard in, in certain aspects, right? But um, like I'm I'm not a super huge fan of Dabo, but like the one thing you can say about him is like all these coaches say like, you know, it's about the people we want to bring in like the right culture, all that stuff. Like Dabo actually walks the walk. Like I know yeah. the Deshaun Watson stuff, it becomes tricky because like he was at Clemson and stuff like that. But like there are guys who have like gun charges and stuff like that in this draft class, right? With yeah. the Jalen Carter stuff, right? Like that doesn't happen at Clemson. Yeah. Like they're pretty True. picky about who the, who they bring in. So hopefully, you know, Bercy can end up um, overcoming some of the stuff and end up on the other side. But because of, you know, the injuries, the kidney infection, the stuff with his sister, all that stuff, the change at defensive coordinator, I don't think he's really been giving a, given a chance to develop. So, like, yeah. as far as, like, pro-ready right now, Brissy is not on the top of my – like, I have – That's I, a good I way take, to put it, yeah. I take a couple of guys in this draft class ahead of him, yeah. even though he's ranked consensus number two defensive lineman. Um yeah, for all all those reasons you said, uh, I don't have a first round grade on him. I do have a top fifty grade on him because yeah. the potential when that's reached for a guy that moves the way he does at that size, I mean, he could be a freak. Yeah. But that's going to take some time. He is not close to ready. He's a six four guy, by the way. I you know the person who came to mind with him Shoot. because I I do think because Brissy. So like when we talk about defensive line prospects, right? A lot of people, it's like. A zero tech, which is like nose guard, right? Like I am like Vince Wolfork, right? Like I'm here to eat space, right? And then you have like ones, one techs, which are nose tackles, which is like Kenny Clark, right? Like he's supposed to take on double teams, but he can also like penetrate. And then you have yeah. like three techs, which is like Aaron Donald. All you want him to do is penetrate. I think Brissy fits in the role of like a four and four eye, which is, you know, head up on a, on a tackle or on the inside shade of him. And there's not that many teams that really utilize that technique mm-hmm. at the NFL level, at least. You see a lot in college. Um, but Bercy kind of reminds me of like Eric Armstead's situation, where it's Ooh. like this might take a year or two or maybe even three, right? Like I remember Niners fans trying to trade Eric Armstead to get out of his rookie contract, right? Like that's where we were with a guy like that. Um but if he can develop and you can hit that untapped athleticism, then that guy becomes a monster. And now he's, you know, top five, 10 defensive lineman in the league. And you're, you're really playing with fire when you get that athleticism and that length. The thing with Eric was always, he had never fully committed to football. His dad was a trainer um, for NBA prospects in basketball. And even his freshman year, uh, Eric was a guy who uh, had played, basketball at the university of Oregon um, instead of doing like off-season weight training, for example. Right. And Eric was a guy who a lot of people considered like the best offensive tackle prospect coming out of high school and then, you know, number one prospect in the same way, like Brissy was right. But he went to Oregon because he was allowed to play on the defensive line. So that's a situation where you can look at the context and say, like, maybe there is something untapped here that like they didn't get at the college level, even though he played for, a successful team. You know what I mean? Would you take him in the second round? Or see? 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially in this draft class. I, yeah. I think yeah. after like pick, I don't know, 25-ish, somewhere around there, I think you start having conversations where if, if you need a big guy, and like he's a guy I think the Packers would actually like. Like the Packers yeah. really like length at their 3-4 defensive end spot. Um, They're not really looking for those penetrating three tags. They want big bodies who can – how's the best way to explain it? Like, they can beat a block later in the down to then save their safeties having to fit in the run. Like, yeah. that's the best way to explain kind of how the Packers view the defensive end spot, right? Like, Dean Lowry was like, what, 6'5", 6'6", somewhere yeah. around there. Reed isn't a small guy. Like, they haven't really had one of these smaller defensive tackles since Mike Daniels, you know? Speaking of penetrating three techs that the Packers aren't going to draft, I assume that's who's next. 25, Kalijah Kansi, Pittsburgh. Super Please. athlete, 6'1", 281. I've, to- I've talked your ear off about him for months, so I just want you to go off on this one. Let me know what you think. Man, he got moved off the ball a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, wor- I worried a lot about that. Like, I understand if Kansi is a guy, he needs the right home, right? 100%. Like, He needs to be at a full-time four-down team that is just going to let him tee off against the passer. You're lining up at the B-gap. You're on the outside shoulder of the guard, and all we want you to do is get penetration because that's pretty much all he can do at this point. If you can get your hands on him, he's getting moved against teams like West Virginia. West Virginia is not a very good football team, so if you can get your hands on him. That was the season opener for them, right? Uh, Yeah. Any time against the run, he's getting pushed back a little bit. Yeah, so – a guy like that, like in Green Bay, it's it would not work. It, it's just he, he's, he's not so fun. He's so fun to watch. He's very athletic, but I don't know. the The other thing, he was dealing with a shoulder injury last year too, and that kind of red yeah. flag for me. Small guy, shoulder injury. I'm like, it's not gonna get that much better. Like you're gonna have to deal with that shoulder a whole lot. So that that worried me a little bit. I did put a first round grade on him and I understand that the scheme is going to matter and everything like that, but, and he is historically small for a defensive lineman, but it's just so fun. Like it, you just, it's just such a rare skill set that you, you don't really see a whole lot uh, for a player like him. And I think that you can really build on top of what he already has. Um, so when you talk about special traits, like he at least has some of those and that's what gets me really excited. Yeah, I, I for sure. He's a really easy evaluation. Yeah, right? he is. Like his his pluses and minuses are. It's are very noticeable insane. watching him hit when he gets a double team. He gets just he's screwed. He's yeah. just he's sol. And that's where I think there's the difference between him and like Donald, right? Yeah. Because like Donald was better about that stuff in in college, and he blew up Senior Bowl when he was going against you know the best offensive linemen that were available in the draft that year. Yeah. Um. I kind of wonder like. I can't remember who brought this up to me. It wasn't my idea originally, but like Kansi is not from a measurable standpoint, not that different from like where Melvin Ingram was playing hmm. at the college level. Like I would almost value Kansi higher if he just slimmed down a little bit and played on the edge, I think instead of playing three tech, it'd be, just because it'd be pretty fun. His ability, like if you, cause a lot of these teams, right. Either you're playing the three tech to the tight end side. So the tight end is playing the edge rusher. 
you can get a combo block or a double team, whatever you want to call it, from the tackle and guard on a three tech. So if there's a tight end on the field, he becomes a liability in the run game. Like that's yeah. a tough situation to be in for yeah. me. Um, the next guy on the consensus draft board, Mozzie Smith from Michigan. Freak. He's an, he's another guy with a uh, with an off field thing. Um, he had a gun charge. He ended up uh, pleading guilty to attempted possession of a loaded firearm in a motor vehicle. That's very wordy. Uh, he was originally charged with concealed weapon without a license to carry. Basically, he had a uh, a gun that he didn't have uh, concealed um, carry a, permit. Uh, yeah, concealed carry permit on him, and that led to to the issue. Apparently, he had attempted to, or he like he had started the process of doing the paperwork on the gun. Um, oh. but it hadn't been fully processed and stuff. So he's on 12 month probation. He's really interesting to me. Cause I think from like a pure talent standpoint, right after Carter, it's a, probably Mozzie Smith. The one thing about him, his upper body strong as hell. He had 32 yep. reps on the bench press. It's super evident. Um, his leg drive feels lazy to me. Like when he yeah. wants to run, it shows up, but like a lot of times he's just pitter pattering out there and it doesn't seem like he's getting much leg drive. It's a weird situation because Bruce Feldman actually had him on like the freaks list and number one on the freaks list. He said that he had like a 44 inch vert at like 330 pounds. Molly Smith dropped 15 pounds and he only had a 29 and a half inch vert. That's a huge describe. That's 15 inches, dude. That's yeah. more than a full foot. Like, I, I don't understand. That that always bothers me about the freak list. This is like half of the stuff ends up not coming true. He didn't end up running at his pro day. He didn't run at the combine. He does a little bit of everything. I think the one thing that you could say about Mozzie, if you're talking about the leg drive stuff, is like he was playing a lot of nose tackle for yeah. Michigan. Like, he wasn't full-time nose tackle for him, but he was playing a lot of nose tackle. So, like – yeah, you don't want to wear that guy's legs out, you know, when he's playing three tech or something. But it's something you would like to see improve at the next level. But he he does have a lot of talent, pretty clearly. Yeah, uh, I want to see more consistent hand usage as far as shooting his hands out of his stance and things like that. But I love the way he anchors down against double teams and stuff. Like he's a hard guy to move. Um, I think your leg drive points uh, uh, accurate one because you know you're not seeing him penetrate a whole lot. Uh, he does struggle changing directions in pursuit and things like that, but just a space eater, man, just like someone that's not going to get pushed around a lot. And is just so freaking big. Um, he, he, he can really cause problems. He, yeah. When he gets onto an NFL field, it will be noticeable how strong he is Yeah, against grown men. Like that, that's yep. the level of strength we're talking about here. But the problem is again, like a lot of it's like upper body stuff and, I want to see the lower body with it. Cause if you don't yeah. have the lower body with it, yeah, it's great to be strong. And then it's outside zone and a running back is running through your gap because your feet aren't keeping up with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I, uh, I went with the top 50 grade with him as well. Uh, Bercy and Smith were my only two top 50 guys. Um, so this is where I get in. I'm, I'm interested because uh, I've got all kinds of weird grades with the remaining 10 guys. I watched, I have no idea what's coming next on the consensus board. Siaki Ika, Baylor, number 59. So he had a terrible day at the combine. When we were talking about guys and, you know, the roles that they play, right, 
Ika is full-blown nose tackle, nose guard. You don't want him playing outside of those constraints. You want him near the ball. You want him eating space. He's a massive player. The, the Beyond him having a really bad combine, which I don't think people expected it to be as bad as it was, right? Um, he was rotated a lot, lot out at Baylor. So I don't know if people are watching like cutoffs on YouTube or highlight videos or stuff like that to kind of make their opinions about these players. But like, especially on the defensive line, one of my uh, approaches is like, you got to watch full games because you have to notice like what the rotation is like. Cause some guys are on the field every single down and they're worn down by the fourth quarter. And you need to know that. And some guys like Ika are nowhere to be found on third downs in passing situations. And you're like, okay, it's worth noting one of the best defensive, you know, the best defensive minds in football, Dave Aranda, the head coach at Baylor, right? He, you know, was at LSU, was at Wisconsin and stuff like that. Didn't think enough of Siaki Ika or at least his conditioning to put him on the field as much as a lot of these top prospects. So I, I am firmly on the question mark about him having a bad combine, question mark about him being rotated out a lot. I, I liked his film, but if he can't play a lot of snaps and he's, you know, looking relatively good in the big 12, what's, what's going to happen in the NFL. Right. I think that's the big question mark. How, I mean, you're, you're at the point where you're talking about a guy who probably at the NFL level has a usage like a TJ Slayton, right? Yeah. TJ Slayton went in the fifth round. I, um, he was a guy that I had heard a lot about and I had seen a couple of Twitter clips and I'm like, wow, that was a really impressive play. And then to your point, you're watching like, you know, I just watched the broadcast cut ups and then you're like, why, where is he on the field right now? He's like consistently out of the field. And then he still looks tired when he's out there and you're like, you've barely played this game. How are you just totally gassed? Um, The movement skills when he's fresh are awesome for a guy that size. Like he makes some flash plays that you're like, whoa, this guy can be something. But when it's not consistent enough and you're not playing enough and you're still looking tired and then we're there in person at the combine outside of PJ Mustafer out of Penn state, I don't think anyone else moved more poorly. Like it was just very noticeable. I have him as DL 10 and he is borderline day two, day three for me. Like that makes sense. It feels harsh because I know people were talking about it was like a first round prospect earlier in this process, but I went and watched him. I, I, it was, I was left wanting more, even with those plays that you'll see the one place someone posts on Twitter of look at what this guy did. Yeah. I believe he was a transfer too, right? Didn't he transfer? I think he transferred in from like LSU or something like that. Okay. Um, this is the last guy I watched, and then I can give you guys my rankings. Uh, number 61, Keanu Benton, Wisconsin. I don't got to tell Scotty fans about him. Consistent riser over the process. You know, played more of a nose tackle role for Wisconsin. I think during the pre-draft process, um, especially down at the Senior Bowl, people started getting a look at him in one-on-ones and saying, like, wait, this guy can probably play three technique, too. And then he had a pretty good day, you know, with the combine and stuff like that. I I think he's really similar to Kwan Short. I love his hand usage. Um, I think he's probably, outside of Carter, the best combo, just like pure defensive tackle in this class, like combo three tech, one tech can do a little bit of everything. Cause I think Mozzie, you want him as a one. I think Kansi, you clearly want him as a two. Ika, you want him as a one or a zero. And then Brissy, you want him 
you know, head up on the tackle or inside shade of that guy as a four yeah. or four I. So I, I think Benton is kind of the guy because we, we talked about this too, right? Where Pansy really needs a good home, right? Yeah. Brissy needs a good home. Ika needs to play a really specific role, right? I think yeah. Benton is the guy after Carter where it's like he's probably on the board for every single NFL team. Like yeah. every NFL team can use him in some way, shape, or form. And for the Packers perspective, Benton is a guy who is long enough that like he could do a lot of the things that they want at three four defensive end too. Yeah. I I'm glad that you'd watch him because Tex would probably get mad if we uh if we hadn't talked about him in detail. Um everything you said I agree with. Like, you know, really good hands. I love his first step when he's making some of these like cuts into different gaps. It's really fun to watch. Uh my biggest concern, and I think we've talked about this on the pod before, is just his lower body strength and ability to anchor down. Uh Archon made a great point. I guess something about the previous regime of Wisconsin strength and conditioning um did not have a great reputation. Um, so that's de- like that's something that's very easily correctable, right? Like if you hit the weight room correctly and you can improve that lower body strength, that's where he becomes a more complete player. So I have a day too great on him, but you're right. Like he can play multiple roles and he's going to fit whatever someone needs from him, which makes him a very interesting guy. Um, yeah, he's going to be highly sought after. I think I'm disappointed. You haven't watched a few of these guys that are just like, I know. Really fun. Well, well, here's the good thing. Next week we're doing wide receivers, right? So I've already seen the wide receivers. I've watched 21 wide receivers. Yeah, I've, I've been working so on many. wide receivers this entire season. So we can go back and whatever guys you tell me I need to catch up on, I'll watch them before next week because I got, I got nothing else to watch. I've already Fine. seen the receivers. That works. Um, here, we got to end this. Speaking of, before we forget, end of this pod, we got to talk about one tight end that I had to go back and watch. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I watched a couple of them too. Um good. Here, here are my defensive line rankings. Okay. Are we ready? Yep. Jalen Carter, number one, obviously. Yep. Easy. Just from town perspective. You could do whatever you want with all field concerns. We talked about it. Do whatever you want. Um, two, this is the hot take. This is, by the way, I think I have the hottest takes in for defensive line than I have any other position. I don't think okay. I had hot takes for tight end and safety like this. Number two, Keanu Benton. Wow. Okay. Bring it to me. I think he could play right now. I think he could play right now. Number three, Mozzie Smith. Just like I get the upside. He's the guy that I like. I understand the upside the most of. Yeah. We got to get those legs running. We yeah. got to get those legs running. Uh, four, Brian Bercy. He's going to need some time. I think he needs a year or two at least. Like he might be a guy who doesn't break out until like year three or four. You know what I mean? But I think with the athleticism that's there, he could get there as long as the medicals check out. Who knows what that situation is like? Five, Kalajikansi. He needs the right home. He needs the right home so bad. I, I, I would be very fearful if he ends up in, like, Baltimore or something like that, where it's like it just, it's just not going to work from a defensive line perspective. You know what I mean? And then – the last guy, sixth on my list, Siaki Ika, nose tackle. I just think you're just not going to get that many reps out of him. And Great. I think that that's that's the main issue with me there. Yep. I, I don't even know how to go through my rankings. Uh, I, we talked about the top four uh, and then a couple of the other guys. Well, let's, let's, hear, let's go, hear it. 
Yeah, why don't I just go through real quick the top nine that are uh, guys like within day two, and then I'll talk about some of the guys we skipped over. Okay. And then I'll give the rest of the day three guys because they're they're not really worth talking about much. Um, Jalen Carter, number one. Uh, I mean, I put a top 10 grade on him. Uh, off-field stuff aside, like just generational talent. Kalijah Kansi, I the only other guy with the first-round grade. And again, we talked about it. I just think there's a scheme. Uh, Brissy, three. Mozzie Smith, four. Both with top 50 grades. All right. Day two, guys. I got one, two, three, five guys. Benton's in the day two group. Um, Moro Ajomo out of Texas. Texas kid. So I haven't seen him other than at the combine. I wa- We watched him move. We were sitting That's next to reason, each other for this. It's a reason like, I wanted to watch him. Yeah. This guy's flying. Like this, yeah. this guy, he, he, he's a very smooth mover too. Like I know, yeah. um, who is it? The South Carolina kid where once they brought out the hoops out, you could tell like, he's not very good at turning his hips and stuff like yeah. that. Like the on-field drills that they don't necessarily show you, uh, you know, the, the full front, you know, front to back, uh, you know, process of that stuff, you know, on, on NFL network and stuff like that. I thought Ojomo was a guy who, when they're running the hoop, looked great. And yeah. that, that to me is one of my favorite evaluation tools for uh defensive linemen, just because, I mean, it is a position where you bend, right? It's why the three cone matters so much at that position and why there's such a strong correlation between doing well in that and having success at the NFL. So I definitely wanted to watch Ojomo. I just did not have the time. So I'm definitely adding him to the list to watch um, for next week. What's is it? Is it just athleticism? Is that what his game is? You can tell he moves really well. Um, but when it comes to, I mean, six three two ninety three with thirty four and a half inch arms, so like he's got length. I thought I was just going to be like, yeah, he moves really well. His hands off the snap are so violent. There are so many plays I watched. I watched like Alabama, Oklahoma, and I think I watched a third, maybe a fourth game. I can't remember against two. But he will come off the line and shoot his hands, and you can visibly see guards' head snap back, which is like how violent he is. And so when you're like, okay, you got this guy that can move really well, and he's aggressive as hell, go watch the Alabama game. He's just a wrecking group that whole game. I don't know if he's going to be like a gap penetrator kind of guy, but the way he takes on blocks does not get moved back and then can disengage with ease. Like there's just a lot about him. I was really impressed with. And when you have that length, which you cannot coach like, and knows how to get extended. Oof. He was a, uh, he was a fun evaluation. He took over that Alabama game. I think he's quietly one of the big reasons why they hung around in that game. So Jomo is ranked on the consensus draft board. 145th fake news. That's such a lie. He's, so good. He's got to go. He's got to go higher than some of these guys. Like they have the South Carolina guy ahead of him. There's no way. That's there's no way. Wrong. I didn't. I didn't really watch that kid though. So, um, number six. Speaking of Alabama, I put Byron Young out of Alabama. We you watched like a little it. bit. Of I, him, right? yeah. I, I did. So he was a guy I didn't go back and watch, but I watched yeah. a lot of Alabama defense because of the safeties. Right. Yeah. Um, when we were doing the safeties, they have three in this draft class. So Young was a guy who kept standing out to me. He's number 47, right? I believe so. Yes, 47. Um, um, we got a little Packers news, kind of. Oh. Uh, Elijah Moore's been traded. To where? Uh, the Browns. For how much? <laughs> for the They're sending the Jets in a third-round pick for a second-round pick. 
So more and a third for a second. Well, the Jets have two seconds now. Bring them to me. Two seconds or 13? Oh. Live reaction. Two seconds or 13? I, there's so many day two guys I like. And if you're not getting a top 10 pick in this class, give me the two seconds. Okay. Just gut reaction. I'll take and then it. Maybe you can, maybe you can, if you really want a guy after 15 that you want to trade up and get, you suddenly have three seconds and you can package two of those to move up. It would be interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think of, ah, uh, there's too many moving parts. I was going to say, if that second is included in the Rogers trade, then that means that they would rather have the Packers would rather have the second than Elijah Moore, but because it includes the third. Yeah. That's I very don't, confusing. I don't know if that's true. That doesn't seem like nearly enough for like that. He basically is worth like a third round pick then two thirds for like a second or maybe a fourth. Uh, my brain hurts. Yeah. It was just, it got thrown at us in the middle of talking defensive linemen. And now I'm trying to. So Byron Young, Byron yeah. Young, number 47 <laughs> for Alabama. Strong as um, shit. Very good. Like just a, a solid player who yeah. consistently makes plays for him. He He's not a guy who's like shooting into the backfield or anything, but if you need a guy to play like three, four end for you, like the Packers desperately need, like he's a guy that like you could take maybe late third, early fourth round. And you're like, we got snaps out of a rookie, like success, yeah. hang the banner. Like it's, it's like the, like uh, Kingsley and Igbore, Romeo Dobbs, like just a solid guy who could come in and contribute fairly early. And you just feel good about that pick from basically the moment you, you write it down and turn it into the commission. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just think what I like so much about him, another guy that plays and gets extended. I, I don't watch, I feel like I don't watch enough defensive linemen that can actually get all the way extended. And when you have length, like it's good to see. Uh, and he just plays with some shit to him, man. Like just plays pissed off. And you're going against SEC players, right? Like brings a ton of violence into making contact, whether that's against a blocker or a tackle. He's super stiff though. Like he's going to struggle and pursue. Yeah. He's going to struggle. Um, it's fun to watch though. I just think he's nasty. Uh, I just remember getting really annoyed that there was a second Byron Young in this draft class um, because we have the edge rusher out of Tennessee as well. Yeah, see, uh, so I haven't seen the Tennessee guy. So I assume Byron Young is the Bama guy. And then they're like, yeah, the other guy runs like a 4-3 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now <laughs> he's I gotta fun. Watch him. He's old, but he's fun. Um, Who else do you got? Uh, The other two day two guys I have, Gervin Dexter out of Florida. He was six, the last six, guy I didn't yeah. watch. He was the next guy I was planning on seeing. He's number 70 on the consensus draft board. He's the only top 100 defensive lineman I did not get a chance to look at in this class. He just plays with strength, right? I mean, when you're 6'6", six, six, you can kind of just try and bully people. Uh, there's six, not a lot six? of... Yeah. Oh, my God. See, I go into prospects for the most part blind. So if I don't hear something about a guy, everything's a surprise. Jervin Dexter's 6'6"? Six, six, six? Legit 6'6 six, six, six. Six with a nine two one RAS. Yeah, he's 6060 from what I wrote down. I should have fucking watched him. All right. <laughs> uh, Dang. Not a lot of polish to him. He just, like, his pass rushes, I'm going to bull rush you. His run defenses, I'm going to go through you. Um, he, he just plays with strength. Like, he's strong. Um, I have a day two just because you can't teach that size and athleticism, size athleticism profile. Uh, and there's definitely some untapped potential there with technique. Um, by the way, just total side note, feels like every Florida prospect I've watched on that defense, they're all just psychopaths and they love to hit, love to hit people. The, safety, play with a lot of technique. 
They can't yeah. run for crap, but they're both nuts. Yeah. Same with our linebacker, uh, Ventrell Miller. Who I yeah. love that guy. Loved to love to hit people. Uh, and then the other guy. This is another guy. I think you should take a look at. Man, you got a lot of guys you gotta watch on this. Kobe Turner at a Wake Forest. I had a day two grade on. Okay. Um, he's just like you know six three two ninety. I don't know if he has measurements anywhere yet. Um, but his hand usage might be his best trait. And just like does a really good job of disengaging, working a few moves. Uh, he's got the length to wrap up when he's still engaged with blockers. Um, he transferred from Richmond and he was like a multiple all conference co-defensive player of the year. Um, so like he had a lot of production before he came to Wake Forest. Um, but just a very fun player and just like the hand usage really stood out to me. Um, so those are all the day two guys. Day three, just real quick. I want Siaki Ika. Jalen Redman at Oklahoma, Tyler Davis, T-Rex arms man at a Clemson, Jacqueline Roy at LSU, Keandre Coburn, another Texas D lineman, and then PJ Mustafer at a Penn State who just had a brutal combine. His RAS was 1.26. I did not know Clemson had another defensive lineman, and I watched multiple years of Clemson defense. That's Tyler bad. Davis, dude. Tiny arms D lineman. He's uh Is he one, we don't need another Tyler Davis on the team. To who was uh damn what was his name? Packers dude, short arms, white dude. He was like from Fresno State. Ty Summers, the linebacker. No, 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 no. He was a defensive lineman. He was like a nose. Lancaster? Lancaster. The way you describe him, I'm like Lancaster. I just get like short arms, dude. I'm like Lancaster. That's him. Okay. So I gotta was watch it. He was a Tyler. Uh, th- that that fucks with our uh, our theory about Tylers and ties. Ty Summers yes, was a great Ty Tyler theory. Uh, Tyler um, Lancaster never existed. He was Ty Lancaster for the record. So I got to watch a Jomo. Yep. Dexter and Turner. Yeah, you already watched Byron Young. Uh, yes, yeah, see. yeah. I've yeah, seen Byron Young. Dexter's a hard evaluation for me because uh, you just don't see a lot of the technique stuff. Um, so I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Kobe Turner, I think, is a sleeper. People aren't talking enough on. And then, yeah, Ojomo is my favorite DL in this class. There's no one's talking about. Okay. So I'll watch those three, get you updated for next week when we talk about receivers. But before we get out, you said you wanted to talk about some tight ends. I watched some tight ends too. Yeah, we got to do our weekly go back from last week and revisit the position we talked about, which I, I think has been a fun thought experiment. Um, so I went back and watched cause it was the one guy we didn't watch uh, the old dominion kid, Zach Koontz mm-hmm. um, who posted a 10 rast. So he's like officially the most athletic tight end ever. According to Kentley, Kentley Platt's um, uh, measurable or, you know, formula, not very good. <laughs> I was really excited to watch him. And like you could tell he's like can move well and everything like that, but you know, just goes down pretty easily after the catch. Kind of sucked with contested catchability, even though everything tells you that he should be better at it. Um just yeah, just not a lot that I was really excited about. I was kind of disappointed. I did the same thing and I came away with the same thought. The other thing, I didn't realize he was hurt, so I didn't realize like mm-hmm. he was out all those games. Um, yeah, because you uploaded a billion things of Old Dominion. I had too. like the entire full season, all 22 <laughs> of him. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize he had transferred from Penn State, too. He's a, he's a Penn State transfer, so he, he went down to play at Old Dominion. I, I don't love him. I mean, he's probably a guy who's going to contribute on specials, honestly, more than anything yep. else, like the, yeah. the way that I saw him. Um, Schumacher? 
Luke Schoenmacher, is that how yep. you say his name, from Michigan? Yeah. Kind of liked him. I, I think he's a Good. tier below all the other tight ends that we talked about, the six main guys that we talked about last – or. I guess I literally have him. I literally have him in that tier below. Yep. Yeah. He's like seventh, but there's a teardrop, but I think he's like firmly seventh. Like yeah. he's the seventh guy in this class. I have, I have him as tight in seven. Yeah. Um, Davis Allen. I just don't think he runs well enough. I watched him and I was like, I don't know. I saw dude, Daniel Jeremiah keeps doubling down on this. He said there's 12, 13 tight ends going in the top hundred in this draft. Top a hundred mate. I don't know. I don't. I don't even think I watched. Schoonmacher is, is like borderline for me, and I would understand it if you took him in the third. But that's seven. Where are the other five coming out of? Wiley is like the insert guy, and that's all he does. But that's not as yeah. I'm, I'm someone's gonna direct. I I could see Coons going top hundred off measurables, and old, I don't know. Someone would be messing up when they do that. Hopefully, the problem is us. like that we're just we're really stretching to find 12 13 guys yeah he's really cameron if cameron law too is a top 100 guy there's no way alabama actively tried to get better than cameron law too for like two off seasons and were unable to do it after he was converted from linebacker there's no way that guy's a top 100 guy um your davis allen comp hurts me i know he doesn't move well think it in line he doesn't he doesn't he, does he could be an inline guy he could be an inline guy he could be a cheap inline guy yeah i just, I just say, keep thinking that if they don't get i like Schum- his length is absurd like yeah and just there's a lot uh, i think the point i made last week i don't know if you remember if you agree with this uh, when watching a block he just moves his feet really well he keeps them moving mm-hmm. so he's able to stay in front of guys we did it so we got safeties done tight ends done defensive line mostly done i gotta go back and watch a couple other guys yep now it's receiver time baby it's time to fight. It's time to argue. Are we gonna? Are we just gonna go by threshold so we don't end up talking about twenty-one guys? No, let's talk uh, about uh, some of them. We can knock off. Yeah, I'm like Josh Downs. Get out of here. Uh, the little Houston guy. Get out of Tank. here. Yeah, yeah. Get get him out of here. But I I think some of these guys are more. Like I said, I think Hyatt's in the mix. Jalen Hyatt. I think. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba after he ran a four five and not a four six, I think he's probably in the mix. I don't think Addison's going to be in play. I don't think Downs is no. in play. I don't think Tank Dell is in play. But then after that, I think things are pretty open on the wide receiver front. Um, I found a couple guys lately that I watched that were definitely size, height, weight, speed guys that I was like, oh, I, I, I could right. see this. Let's go. Let's go. All right, we'll we'll leave it on that. Um, See you next week. We'll talk about wide receivers.